Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined on the other line, as always, by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. What's going on, Anthony? I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to survive seven of those. Yeah. Uh, That was was elite basketball, but it was uh, stressful for us. Uh, I'm sure stressful for fans, but also stressful for writers on deadline. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we were were G-chatting, because it's weird. We have to G-chat during these games. We can't just talk to each other. Um, we were jeep chatting during the game, and we were both like at the end of the fourth quarter. We're like, yeah, I haven't written anything in the fourth quarter. There was just like, I, I can't believe the Heat won that game. Um, we, we can start there. Yeah. I'm down 14 okay. in the fourth quarter. You know, I kind of expected them to start a little slow just with the layoffs. So like when they were down 13 in the first quarter, I think it was, or early in the second, I guess first quarter. Um, it was. Uh, like I thought they were gonna maybe climb out of it, but then when they were down fourteen in the the second in the fourth quarter, I was like, eh, this, they might just have to reset. But um, I it'll be up by the time people listen to this. You're writing about how good they've been in the fourth quarters of games today, um, and and that came through again in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. And then of course it ended with I don't one of the three or four greatest plays in Heat history, probably. I mean, you would know better than I would, but. The the block yeah, by Bam is yeah. I'm, I mean craziest yeah. play they've had since the Ray Allen shot probably like I would yeah. say I mean you know there's that Dion Waiters three against the Warriors the game went three <laughs> yeah. I mean that was that was a good moment but honestly you know, the Dwayne Wade three against the Warriors yeah the Dwayne Wade three against the Warriors the Dwayne Wade step back jumper against the Philadelphia 76ers with all that you know what was going on with obviously Stone and Douglas and all that. I mean those were yeah, yeah. incredible heat moments but just the fact, the importance of this game, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals, in that moment to step up and block a dunk attempt by the Celtics' best player, one of the best offensive players in the NBA, Jason Tatum, um, that was just, it was remarkable. Yeah. Like, and just the block, it wasn't just a normal block. It was, I mean, the the ball was above the cylinder. Yeah, Bam's hand was like perpendicular to his forearm at the end of that block. Like, he really like it was like millimeters from being a ridiculous poster by Jason Tatum. And instead it's like one of the, I mean, as Magic Johnson said, the best defensive game he's ever seen in the play, defensive play he's ever seen in the playoffs. Well, that might be a little bit, uh, you know, LeBron had a pretty good one to win a finals, but, um, I was gonna say, yeah. but it, it's up there certainly. Yeah. That, that play is definitely like, it's already up in the hallway leading up to the heat locker room. Like the picture <laughs> of that play, it has to be right. It's in the family room already. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> Yeah, I think the heat shop's gonna have uh, like shirts with that picture on it by like tomorrow. Yeah, so. I, Bam. I mean, it, it's cool. Like in a big picture way, I know we have to talk about this game, but in a big picture angle of all this, like it's cool to see Bam getting the recognition he deserves. He is, and we've said it for what since the beginning of the season, since before yeah. the season. He is one. He's one of the best big men in the league, just with everything he can do on both ends of the court. And, you know, people started to realize that this year when he made the All-Star game on the skills challenge. But I think what, what you're seeing him do in the playoffs, and especially last night, you know, in game one, with that defensive play uh, to, to, to save the win for the Heat, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to come out of this postseason. Like, people are going to think of him probably as a top five big in the NBA, yeah. um, just with everything he could do. So it's it's been pretty cool to see the rest of the country kind of realize how good he is. Yeah, I mean, I think coming into the playoffs, we talked about how this had a chance to be like the Bam Adebayo coming out party for a lot of people, um, even though he was an all-star this year, just like in the kind of casual NBA fan consciousness. 
And then it kind of, even though he was really good in the first two rounds of the playoffs, it didn't really happen because, um, you know, Jimmy was making all the plays in the fourth quarter and and he really became the story. And if it wasn't him, you know, Tyler Hero was kind of the story, uh, I think, to a lot of people. And even Goran, um, I think he's probably the leading scorer for the Heat in the playoffs. Maybe Jimmy's up up there still because that 40 Jimmy point Jimmy and Goran are neck and neck. I yeah. think Jimmy's a little ahead. But um, he's right there. So so Bam, as good as he was, and I think he had the, like he was like the top plus minus guy through the first two rounds. He just kind of was like overshadowed, which is kind of fitting for the type of player Bam is, where he always you know they, he does the little things. Um, but I mean that's the signature. That might be the single signature play of the postseason so far, um, and. Bam gets to do it on the defensive end. And he got asked about it, like, is it fitting that that's your, your, your defensive guy? Is it fitting that your signature highlight is a, a defensive play? And I think for him it is. Yeah, he always says, he's like, I always, when I'm when my offensive game isn't going, and last night he was okay on offense, but he like even Eric Spolster said it, he wasn't in a great rhythm offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but he always says, when my offense isn't going, like I go back to my rookie year, and where I was, I got playing time because of my defense and my effort and my hustle. And that's kind of what you saw last night. Like his offense was okay, but it was, you know, he wasn't in a particularly great rhythm, but um, he made, <laughs> he won the game for the heat with his defense. Um, so that's just the type of player he is. He's, he really can do pretty much everything on the court. Like, and if he's, if he really hits that mid-range jumper, like he was against the Bucks consistently, and he eventually extends that to a three-point shot, like a Chris Bosh type, where you can give it to him in the corner and he hits like a, you know, them at a 35, 36% clip. Good God, like he's going to be, uh, yeah, he's going to be pretty unstoppable. Yeah. Um, and the the play at the end of the game, I mean, we talked, or I guess we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but you wrote about just basically this was going to have to be a series kind of about one-on-one defense. Um in a lot of ways, in, in different ways than the Milwaukee series was when they were just building a wall for Giannis and basically saying, let someone else try to beat us. Um, they, they did some, you know, the Heat did some different stuff in game one, which we'll talk about. But for the most part, you know, it's it's Jimmy guards Tatum. It's, you know, it's um, the guard, it's one of the guards is to try to stay in front of Kemba a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and... Bam is still, like, oh, the weapon in this series. That I think we were thought he was going to be, like, the defensive weapon in the Bucks series. It's just a guy who could maybe guard Giannis straight up. And, the, and they didn't really ask him to do that a ton in that series. Um, in this series, he can be a weapon with, with his help defense. And that's kind of the one aspect of his game where, um, on defense at least, where he doesn't necessarily have that reputation as that, like, weak side rim protector, right? Like, he blocks right. shots, but... You know, that was much like, that was kind of what Hassan was known for. Um, and for, for Bam to come up in that moment, um, Tatum gets past Jimmy on the perimeter and, and thinks he has a dunk. Like, you know, he really thought he had a dunk. And Bam came pretty far away to, to make the block. He was on the other side of the paint. Like, he wasn't just uh, standing in the paint. He was on the other side, um, and he had to come all the way across the paint to make that block. Yeah, you had to help off Marcus Smart. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's really not, like you said, that's not Bam Adebayo's defensive reputation as, like, a help side shot blocker. Like, that's not his – that's not what he does. He's a great individual defender who could switch onto pretty much every player on the court. Um, but he, he, he can block a shot if he's in position. Yeah. And 
um, in that situation, you know, with three seconds on the clock, like he's banking on the fact that Jason Tatum is going to go up for that dunk and he's not going to pass it out to Marcus Smart for a corner three who he left open. Um, and Adebayo took that, took that risk and he, it paid off for him. Like that was, it was an incredible block. Like it was, it brought me back to, I don't know if you remember this, David, but LeBron had a similar block in the finals against Tiago Splitter. Splitter, yeah. Where he just met, stuffed him at the rim. Yeah, just stu- it wasn't like LeBron's hand didn't bend all the way back. He kind of just blocked it like immediately, right when you know he was trying to trying to get it get it through. But but it was a similar type of uh, a similar type of play. That's what it reminded me of. Um, it was just it's one of those plays you'll remember. Like you said, it'll be on a moment on a heat moments tee, which they which they like to make. It'll be I'm sure we'll be staring at it. You know, whenever we're allowed back into the arena to do shoot-around interviews. Like, we'll be staring at it as you're waiting in the hallway for Heat players to come out for interviews. Like, it's going to be one of those plays that's going to be discussed for a long time. And before all of that, um, it was the Jimmy Butler show again. Um, basically won the game for the Heat twice. <laughs> um, first at the three at the end of regulation, and the Celtics kind of get bailed out on um, a, a Derek Jones foul before the inbound. And then wins it again in overtime, uh, going one-on-one against Jason Tatum, muscling his way to the rim. It was kind of classic Jimmy, the, the fourth, really really the overtime game winner. But even the fourth quarter, the fact that he is, he, he's got a lot of confidence in his three-point shot right now. It's a matter of just taking the shot. I mean, he just it seems like he's just more willing to take shots in those moments, which is like the opposite of a lot of players, but... He'll have like you know he'll have a quiet game in the first half, and then it gets to the fourth quarter, and he's taking a corner three, you know, with what twenty two seconds left in regulation yeah. to put down two. He did put the head of heat by one. Um, yeah, I mean that's just who Jimmy has become this postseason. I mean, it's who, it's who he's been for the past few right. seasons. But but you know, as uh, in his first season with the Heat, like we hadn't really seen that consistently yet from him. Uh, but in the playoffs, like now, it's like you come to expect it. It's like okay, final three minutes of the game, Jimmy's gonna take over right now and take a bunch of shots. And whether it's driving to the paint and draw a free throw, draw a foul, or an and one like he did in overtime, or even take an open three that the defense is giving him, um, he's gonna do it. Like he's not gonna shy away from it. And it's really important that the Heat have that. It's a big part of why the Heat has been so good late in games. They have a guy you could you could put the ball in his hands, and you know. He could score, he can create for himself, but he can also create for others and make the right play, which he's also done numerous times, you know, late in games. So he has really orchestrated the Heat's offense, like, perfectly. Yeah, um, I love that, that the position that got him the three in the fourth quarter with, with 22 seconds left. It started with him driving, and he got, like, under the basket, could have tried to, like, yeah. force up a tough layup. But, you know, there's a decent chance he, he makes that because he's Jimmy Butler and he's really good at finishing in the paint. Um, but instead, he you know he swings it to Bam, who's kind of at the elbow. Bam swings it to Goran, who then drives. You know the defense is all out of whack by that. And, you know everyone's kind of moving around, and Jimmy leaks back to that that right corner, um, gets a pass, pump fakes to buy just a little bit of extra space. I don't know how much time was on the shot clock, but it had to have been winding down by then, and mm-hmm. then hits that shot. It's it's kind of the blend of the explosiveness he has with with the patience is, is what makes him so good. And that's you know that's like. I don't want to compare him to LeBron, but that's kind of like the LeBron thing where he can, he can just muscle his way to the basket sometimes and try to force a shot up. Um, and it's going to be a pretty good look, but what makes a player like that great is the, 
the feel of the game, and, and I think it was really on display on that last shot in regulation. Yeah, it's it's that LeBron, um, even like, I know he's young, but even like the Luka type, like where, like they're just going to make the right play. It's not going to just be iso ball, like I'm going to score, it's going to be your bust. Like he, they're going to make the right play. You put him in a pick and roll with them, or you put him in a pick and roll. Even I know they were doing a lot of Goran pick and rolls just because Kemba, to get Kemba involved in, mm-hmm. in the actions. Um, like he's going to, He's going to take the shot if it's open, if it's there, but he's also going to make the right pass if, if another, you know, one of his teammates is open. Um, so uh, it's it's uh, it's invaluable to have a guy like that. There's, I mean, how many of those guys are there in the NBA? I, I mean, I would say maybe 10, not even maybe, not even 10, where you could count on them to make the right play late in games and do it consistently, and Jimmy's one of them. Um, and, yeah, Bam saved the game last night, and he had the biggest play of the night, but... They would not have been in that position without Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy and, and Tyler. That was, I'd say, the other. Yeah. I mean, Goran led the way with with twenty nine, um, but Goran was big in the second quarter. Yeah, okay. really in the second quarter, he kind of kept them afloat there, um, and that's a big thing. He he and Jimmy, or he has talked about a lot, is kind of the balance he strikes with Jimmy. Where like one of them can kind of take over for a quarter, and then they just hand the keys off in the in in the fourth a lot of times um, to, to Jimmy. Um, but Tyler was you know, one assist away from a triple-double. It would have been just the sixth rookie in NBA history to have a triple-double. Uh, I don't have the full list in front of me, but I know three of the other guys are, are Ben Simmons, who did it in 2018. Um, Magic Johnson was the last one before that. And uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was another person on that list, I'm pretty sure. Maybe Jerry West, too. It's a pretty crazy list. Um, and Tyler was one assist away from it. But it was fine because his... 12 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists was the first player twenty-one younger than 21 to do that in a conference final since Magic Johnson. So he wound up in pretty good company anyway. Um, and, you know, that stuff was good. Really, in the, in the, he was another guy in the second quarter who came in when that bench unit um, started to kind of like have to get the heat back into the game. Um, and he had, I think, six rebounds there. Um, he had a bunch of his assists there. But it was really... Even with, you know, some of that stuff was just, you know, you get rebounds. You know, you just, you're in the right spot. Like, that that, that stuff comes. The assist comes a lot of time for the Heat because they run good offense. But it was still, to me, about the scoring, really, for him. I mean, that three he hit at the end of regulation was, uh, Brad Stevens called it the killer for them. Like, that was, that was the play that, if he misses that, the game's probably over. And that was with, like, 22 seconds left on the shot clock, too. He's he's like the king of the like. Yeah. I remember the one against Philadelphia in the regular season where I think the Heat were down one maybe or maybe two, and the Heat they were in in transition like just seconds remaining in regulation, wide open to go to the rim and he just pulls up and takes a three. Yeah, and, you know they win the game and it's, that's just who Tyler is. Like he has so much confidence. Like you said, he took that 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 shot last night in game one with what twenty seconds on the shot clock, yeah. and a huge moment, and he just well, steps into it, hits it, and you know, this run jogs back to the defensive end. Like, that's just, it's incredible. Like, you, it's its almost not surprising anymore because we've seen it for so long now. It's what, it's been, like, the longest rookie year ever. It's almost been a year. Yeah. Um, but also, it's supposed that, like, he's had two training camps. Like, that, that makes a big yeah. difference. It makes a big difference. Um, and I'm sure that's a big part of why you've seen such a big jump from him um, since the season resumed. Uh, but still, I mean, to be 20 years old at this level against – really the league's probably best defense to play like that in your first conference finals game. 
I just, yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Like, and even defensively, I was impressed defensively with him. Uh, he was able to play 40 minutes and stay on the court, and he had some good defensive possessions. He's gotten a lot better at that yeah. end, uh, which is obviously encouraging because that was the fear. Like, could he stay on the court in the playoffs? And he's played the most fourth-quarter minutes among Heat players. Like, he has done more than just stay on the court. He's playing in some of the biggest moments in every game. Yeah, I, it's I almost like wonder, you know, obviously there's just quite a few, like, under-21 guys who, like, are, like, kind of a big deal in the NBA right now. Like, I kind of wonder what he would look like if – and he would, probably would not be this good if he didn't come to the Heat and kind of could get eased in and, and obviously, you know, had Jimmy, I think, is a big influence on him and – um, you know, the heat culture and all that kind of stuff, you know, all that cliche stuff. But I do kind of like wonder what it would look like if he was just like, if you just dropped this Tyler hero on like the Hornets and he just like got to basically run the show. Like what, I wonder what kind of numbers he could put up. Yeah. I mean, you could, what you think he'd average 20 points. Probably. I don't know if you would have all the, the assists and the kind of the stuff that's really come along in, in the playoffs, but I mean, could he, like, could he be that kind of like isolation type of guy? Like you see so many, you know, like Luca or like a, could he like run the show in that way? Yeah, you know, I'm not saying he's as good as Luca, obviously, but like, could he try to basically be that, or could he be, you know, Devin Booker is obviously the comparison he gets a lot of times. Like, I wonder what he would look like if he was, you know, in on the Heat, he's. The fourth option, really, like on right. at on like his best nights, basically, like you know he didn't right. start in the regular season. He still doesn't start now. Um, I, it's pretty incredible the way he is. He's been able to become a star even on this team that has two other all stars and Goran Dragic averaging like twenty seven a game. Yeah, I think the volume would obviously be higher because he'd be on a bad team, but also. The points would be tougher to come by. Yeah, it'd be tough. Like the efficiency would go down only because defenses would be loaded up against them. So it'd be a challenge. Yeah, but it's, it's more like kind of the assist. Like, what would he be doing? Like, if he's ISO and he's the guy kicking yeah. out all the time. Right. I think Devin Booker is a good comparison. Honestly, like I know that that's a pretty lofty comparison. Devin Booker is one of the best offensive players in the league. But I think like you look at Devin Booker's Devin Booker's rookie year or even second year. That's a good comparison. I think that's kind of like what he would look like in that. Yeah. In that situation, like bad team, probably wouldn't lead the team to the playoffs, obviously, but he'd be getting good numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tyler is—it's just you look, you look up and down the roster. Tyler at third, you know, pick number thirteen. Bam at pick number fourteen. The way they've just rebuilt this roster in a span of a year, or in a span of I guess two or three two years. Two years, really, I would say. Right. Yeah, two, two or three. I guess Bam was drafted three years ago now, but mm. um, yeah, it's just it's. It's pretty unbelievable how you know this team wasn't known for hitting on draft picks, but man, they really hit hit on two their last two picks um, with those two guys. Yeah, yeah, those two guys. But then it's kind of like you know the big stories in the regular season. Uh, a lot of it was Kendrick Nunn, the undrafted rookie who was the starting point guard, and and Duncan who was the undrafted rookie who was you know probably the the best three point shooter in the league. Um, those guys have been kind of quiet for the last two weeks like Duncan you know he has obviously like he's always just his gravity and all that kind of stuff like is going to make him valuable whenever he's out there but he was I think one for six last night from three Um, yeah like it it ultimately has come down to those two guys they drafted like you said Hero and Bam Um, the Goron trade which 
is years ago, but at this point is a huge reason why um, the Heat are in this position they're in. And, and then obviously getting Jimmy. And you can, I mean, I guess getting Jimmy, you, that was made possible basically by hitting on the, the Josh Richardson pick in the second round and, you know, yeah. turning, turning Hassan into something um, out and of nothing. And, and don't forget about the Jay Crowder and Andrew Vinali yeah. trade. I mean, that was, I mean, that put this team over the top. Are they the two best players on the team? No, but I mean, look at what Jay Crowder's doing. He's basically making up for like Duncan's kind of yeah. quiet postseason by just hitting like 50% of his threes <laughs> in the playoffs. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, like, two years ago, he was a guy you would leave open to take the three. Now, yeah. you know, he's one of the top shooters in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, that, that trade, I mean, just, yeah, those moves, I mean, that's why the Heat are where they are right now. And plus, obviously, good coaching and player development. Um, but, I mean, what a story. Like, even us who, We've been high on this team, I think, from the start. I think both you and I were were more optimistic than most uh, about this Heat roster. We could not have predicted this. No. You know, obviously, we didn't predict the bubble. We didn't predict this. You know, this type of playoffs and with no fans and no home court advantage. But even without even that, like I just, I still would not have predicted them to go to the Eastern Conference Finals and be three wins away from advancing to the <laughs> NBA Finals. Really, like a very realistic opportunity at this point, uh, up one zero in the series. So like you said, up 1-0, three wins away from the finals, and looked like the worst team for a lot of that game, looked like the better team for a lot of that game. Um, we never made, I don't think we ever made official predictions on here, but just how are you feeling now going into the rest of the series? It's a, it's, the margin for error on both sides is just so thin. It's yeah. such a good, evenly matched series, like, we're going to see most of the games in the series are going to look like game one, like where it just comes down to one play pretty much. Um, that's why I just expect this to be a seven game series. I don't know who's going to win because I just, I mean, really, I just don't know. I think it's going to come down to, again, a couple of plays in the series that make the difference. I mean, one of them last night was the band block. I mean, that was that you can look at back at that and say, I mean, that, that, that won the heat, the series. Um, yeah, I mean, the heat basically but, made the four, you know, there were basically like six, Plays basically the kind of were like the decisive plays of that game, and the Heat made like four of them, with the two yeah. Jimmy shots, the Bam block, and I would say the Tyler three pointer, um, and, and the Celtics and, obviously missed at the buzzer in regulation, um, had the shot blocked, and you know missed. Honestly, Jason Tatum got a pretty good look in the in overtime too with that, that last yeah. three. And even with all those plays the Heat made, I mean, Jason Tatum gets that dunk, which I would say eight out of ten times probably dunks that ball, I mean, on, on most teams. And that's a tie game, and it goes to double overtime. And yeah. who knows who wins. So, yeah, it just comes down to a couple plays, and I think that's kind of going to be the story of the series. It's two really, really well-coached teams, two really, really good teams who are good on both ends. It's so funny, by the way, side note. to he- and, and they're not wrong, but it's just funny to hear, like, on TV – to say to hear like broadcasters and 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 pundits kind of saying how good the Heat are defensively, like just that's what they that's yeah. what they they win games like that's their identity defense. And I'm like, man, like three months like whatever. Like we're, we're, when the season restarted, we were questioning if that was going to be their downfall, yeah. and here they are, and they're like been dominant defensively in the playoffs and especially in games. Um, yeah, they, they've become, we always said, like, if they can be a top 10 defense paired paired with this, you know, they're really good offense. Like, they could really be a really good team. 
and they're more than a top 10 defense around. They're playing like a top five defense, and yeah. that's why they're winning so many games. Yeah, and a lot of that is the personnel, which we have talked a lot about. Just just the infusion of Jay and Iguodala has been huge, and Iguodala has been awesome and did not look awesome, really, in the regular season. Uh, pre-bubble regular season. He looked good in the, in the seeding games. Um, for sure. And yeah, he's not putting up great numbers. He's not putting up big offensive numbers, but that's not what he's here for. Right, he's, he, he looked slow in those those pre-seeding, pre-bubble games. Um, yeah. He looks like, he looks, you know, he's not the old Andre Iguodala, but he's... The old Andre Iguodala, I guess, and that's still pretty good. Um, but so much of it, I think, is also Spo, right? Like, we always knew that was going to be the edge. And they run great offense, yes. Like, they run them and the Celtics and probably run, like, the best offense here um, in the entire league. But, you know, they just have enough guys on offense that the offense, you could run really basic stuff and they'd still be pretty good. Um the way that they've changed their defensive game plan from series to series, um, probably game to game, I'm sure, and possession to possession. You're obviously mixing in some zone last night, uh, really for the first time in the playoffs. Um, that is, that's where you know Brad Stevens is top five coach also, but Spo is a top five coach too, and um, that's where he, I think, can really benefit the Heat is, and has shown he he's benefits the Heat, is the way he has elevated this defense in the postseason. Um, what do you think of the way they mixed things up last night? And I guess particularly, I think our big question coming in was, could they slow down Kemba? He, Kemba is the best guard they have faced so far in the playoffs. The Heat's biggest weakness defensively is probably, you know, guys like Tyler Duncan and Goran and Kendrick when, when he's in there trying to stop guards who can create off the dribble. Um, and they Kemba was good in overtime, but but for most of the game, they really held him in check. Yeah, 6 of 19. Um, he, he's just been, I mean... I, he was I in a slump in that Toronto series, we should say also. Yeah, I want to give the Heat credit, and they deserve credit, but also Kemba's just been bad lately. Yeah. Like, he just has not... He said it after the game, he's like, I'm playing terrible right now. Like, that's just... That's pretty much as honest as you can get uh he's not playing well um and you know i think that he will live with jason tatum scoring 30 i mean if that's what's you know he's gonna get his and tatum i think took 24 shots last night if i'm not mistaken um so 20, 30 points and 24 shots i think that he will live with that marcus smart was good uh but kemba walker 19 points and 19 shots and Jalen brown 17 points and 14 shots like those are all games that he will be like okay that's fine um, and, you know, I think that's a big key to this series, like limiting at least two of those guys. Yeah. Uh, and he did that last night. Yeah. Um, I mean, I but think... I don't know. I mean, Kemba, like, you know, the Heat's best defender really wasn't on Kemba last night. But right. still, Kemba couldn't take advantage. And I think that's a big, like, Tyler was on him for a good portion of the of the game. Yeah. I think they're going to live he... with the, the Marcus Smart shooting. Like, it's kind of yeah. the same way they were going to live with all the Bucks supporting guys. Like, that's clearly their game plan right now is – and they could do it better against the Bucks than they, they could against the Celtics team that has two, three really good scoring options, depending on your thoughts on Jalen Brown. Um, the Bucks they clearly were just like sell out to stop Giannis, try to guard Middleton one-on-one, and then we don't believe in any of their other guys, essentially. And this, against the Celtics, it seems like they're going to defend Tatum one-on-one. You know, they have good wing defenders, so they're going to hope Jimmy and Jay and Iguodala and maybe even Bam sometimes can can stop slow him down, 
And then it's kind of interesting that Kemba's the guy they're, like, throwing stuff at, right? Like, I know he's been in a slump. I know even in one-on-one situations he wasn't really scoring. But they were throwing those really hard double teams at him just to get the ball out of his hands. Um, in, you know, a different way that they were doing it against Giannis, where they were building the wall and basically forcing him to drive and kick. With Kemba, they were trying to get the ball out of his hands, like, 40 feet away from the basket, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I you know... Even with all that being said, the Heat's defense wasn't – I mean, it did enough, especially yeah. late in the game. But, like, based on defensive rating or offensive rating for Boston, it was their second-best offensive rating in eight games. Like, they, Toronto's defense yeah. really, really played well against Boston and made life tough on them. Like, Boston's offense really wasn't the issue. Late in the game it was, but it wasn't the issue for most of the game. It was Boston's defense, which has been the best in the playoffs. Like, the Heat, it was the, it was the worst defensive performance uh, – worst Boston defensive performance of the playoffs. Um, the Heat's offense just got the better of it. And that's it's not, it's surprising only because Boston is so good defensively, but also because the Heat were so bad offensively for two quarters. <laughs> 18 points in the first quarter, 16 points in the, sec- in the third quarter. But in the second and fourth quarter, I think they shot like 70% in each one. Uh, it was a weird game. But offensively, the Heat got, won that matchup. And that's a big – I mean, I think that's a big part of like the, the Heat's success. Like, can – can the Heat's elite offense, which is still the strength of the team, no matter what anybody says about the defense, yeah. the offense is, is what is the strength of this roster. Mm-hmm. Can they get the better of Boston's really, really good defense, which I think is probably the strength of their team? Um, and last night, the Heat did that, and I, you know, I think that's going to decide a lot of these games. Yeah, I, I think normally, you know, after if the Heat won Game One of a, you know, they were the five seed, they're playing the three seed. If they won Game One, we would have been talking about. Has the Heat, like, swung this series in their favor? Obviously, it's different without home court. But to me, it did, like, kind of feel like the Heat stole one last night. And I don't know if that'll ultimately matter because, you know, the Celtics could steal one that the Heat deserved to win. Uh, But that felt like – I don't want to say, like, the Heat are in control of the series now, but that felt like a game the Heat shouldn't win, shouldn't have won, and they won it. And – that matters. I mean, you can make the same case in the, the their Raptors series that like the Raptors kept basically stealing games and the Celtics still won in seven. Um, but I think it matters that they won that game last night when they were basically dead in the water twice and really in the yeah. fourth quarter. I mean, he were down fourteen, I think, in the fourth like, quarter. Like, yeah, eleven minutes in regulation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, in a series like this, where again, like the margin of error is so so thin to steal a game like that. That probably you know. I would say their probability of winning that game with 11 minutes to go, down 14, was low to win that game. Um, that could prove to be the difference. I mean, this is, again, I, I just, I would be surprised if this series, either way, gets done in five. Yeah. Honestly, even six. Like, I just don't see how it doesn't go seven. I just don't. It, it Like, it just, it, it just looks that way. It just looks like a seven-game series. So, um, any game that you could steal where, you know, you probably, you know, weren't supposed to win it, um, it's huge and you know we'll see like you know would i be surprised to see boston win by double digits in game two uh, i mean somewhat i guess it's a close series but I, I i expect boston to respond i don't expect the heat to go up 3-0 like again like they did against the bucks like boston's gonna come back and they're gonna answer so uh i'm sure game two will be tough for miami but you know we'll see i i think this is gonna be a one of those series where it's gonna it's going to take a little bit. It's going to include a lot of drama. It's going to include a lot of, uh, again, for the 100th time, a lot of close games. Yeah. 
What do you think? I mean, Marcus Smart was, I think, kind of the story for the Celtics last night. I don't know what he wound up. He was like five for ten from three at one point. I don't, I don't know if he made a sixth at some point. But um, are you worried about him? I mean, he's been on fire from three. Like he was on fire at the end of the uh, the Raptors series too. Um, I think Goran got asked about it last night whether like they've got to kind of change their game plan to start guarding him a little bit more, like treat him like he is a sniper. I'm sure. That, uh, the Celtics are thinking the same thing about Jay Crowder. Um, where, where, how do you feel about the the Marcus Smart dilemma? I mean, there's so many guys in Boston's roster they kind of have to pick. That's like you said. Like you might just live with Marcus Smart making six threes in a game. Um, he, again, it's not like a one-off. I mean, he's done it. What he's he's made five or more threes in four games in the postseason already. Yeah, I think so. So he's just he's become a he's it's crazy, but he's become a good shooter. Um, and yeah, I mean, but if he's gonna, honestly, you live. I, I live with that if I'm the Heat. Like I just, I, I, I would rather make life tough as, as uh, on Kemba and Tatum. Um, and if Marcus Smart is gonna take a, a three early in the shot clock, like he did a lot last night, he, he was hot, so he was feeling it. He was taking those shots, but um, I think you live with that. Um, Boston's offense is too good to take away everything. Um, and at the end of the day, like, yes, Marcus Smart has improved as a, as a shooter. Uh, but he shot he shot thirty four percent from three in the regular season. Yeah. So um, at some point he's not going to hit six threes every game, and I think you live with the odds with that. Yeah, I mean that's the difference between that's why we thought this was a tougher matchup for the Heat in a lot of ways than the Bucks series because uh, you can only scheme against so much talent. You can only scheme so much talent out of the game, um, and that's I think that's why the Heat are so hard to beat come postseason because they really have I mean they played they went 10 deep in the first quarter um yeah. it's just kind of the same thing the Celtics have they're not as deep but they just the the wealth of scoring options they have um clearly it makes it a challenge for the Heat to just totally shut down everything um in a way yeah. that, that they kind of did for a lot of the Buck series and and one other important thing that I think might get lost with all the big plays and big shots and big blocks and all that in that game one they, he took. They got to the bonus early in that mm-hmm. fourth quarter, and I think they took uh, combined seventeen free throws between fourth quarter and overtime. That was huge. Yeah. Like Boston's defense is again. I know that he played well against Boston's defense, but Boston's defense is still good. And anytime you can just get to the line and get a couple easy points, um, that's really important. And the Heat did that. You know, they had seventeen free throws between fourth quarter and overtime. I think Boston had that. Boston had three in the only three free throws in the in the fourth quarter, and they had. Uh, two in overtime, so so you know that's a pretty sizable advantage there at the foul line. And when you're you know two good defenses in the Heat and Celtics, like that's gonna make a difference. And I think that was really really important uh, in Game One. All right, so you want to make an official prediction before we wrap up here? Man, you know I, I before the series I was pretty I I I'd given a slight edge to Boston to be honest. And I just thought Boston was a bad matchup for the Heat. Um, but, you know, after seeing last night, I don't want to just change it. But I did pick Boston 7, so I thought it was going to be a close series. I'm going to go Heat in 7 just because they, they stole that game. Um, and from what I saw last night, like, Tyler Hero, the fact that he could defend and be reliable on that end, um, that's important. And he was that last night. Um, and I think having him... 
you know, play that way defensively while also with his offensive game, like that that two-way ability that I saw, I think that's going to be huge uh, in this series against a team with so many two-way players. Um, so I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give an edge to the Heat, Heat in seven. But I still think this series goes seven, and I would not be surprised to see the Celtics win. It's gonna be very close. Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple of guys we were kind of waiting to maybe I don't want to say turn into a pumpkin, but to like not keep up the crazy pace they've been at. I would say it was Tyler Hero. I would say it was Goron, and I would say it was Jay Crowder shooting. And in game one, all three of those guys they were. I mean that I think. Goran was the leading scorer, Jay Crowder was the number two scorer, and Tyler Hero almost had a triple-double. So, like, if those guys keep it up, um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not picking against this Heat team anytime soon. They're going to – I mean, even if it's way too early to look ahead to a potential uh, finals matchup, but, like, they're going to be the deepest team on the court every time. I trust their, like – I don't know about number three guy. I guess you can make a case that Jalen Brown is – him and Goran, I think, are pretty even – um, but they're going to have the best fourth guy on the court in every game. And, and in most series and most, and you know, about half of the games, they're going to have the best number three guy on the court. So like that, that matters in the playoffs. You know, we, we talked about big threes for so long. Right. And now, uh, now everyone's got a big two in the heat, have a big like seven. So <laughs> that's an can edge. We, can we look ahead at the finals, at a potential finals matchup against the Lakers and LeBron James and Deion Waiters? Can I'm, we do that? I'm not, I'm not counting out uh, the Nuggets. They're going to go down 3-1. They're going to win. <laughs> and the Heat are going to play the Nuggets in the finals, just like we all expected. That, I mean, how, how, what were you more surprised by last night? That Bam out of bio block, Heat comeback, or oh, the, the Nuggets? The Celtics collapse, or Clippers collapse. I can't believe Has, they collapsed. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's... And I said it. It was funny. They went up through one. And I was telling everyone, I was like, they're gonna win. The, they're gonna win the championship. Like they have the best team, and they do. I mean, look at their roster. After they, they won, the they won game one, right? The Clippers in that series. Uh, yeah, they but, won it pretty easily. Yeah, I, I was like, they're gonna sweep. Yeah, I thought they're gonna. Right. I was like, I think I, I told my brother, like, I kind of feel bad for the Nuggets. They're like the one team left that like no one really cares about. Yeah. No one was really paying attention to that yeah. series. Like the Celtics, I mean, the, the the Clippers were gonna win, especially you know when they won Game One by like the way they did, and they go up three one, and then the Nuggets to come back from the, another three one deficit. Um, yeah, pretty. Um, I mean, these playoffs, we we said like everyone was saying you know, the bubble would be a neutralizer, there'd be upsets, and man, we were everyone <laughs> was right. Like it was that, was that was a that was a pretty good take. Like yeah. the playoffs have been. I mean, I don't know an, an, a more unpredictable po- NBA postseason uh, in recent history. This is pretty, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's different than most NBA playoffs, I would say, where it's one versus two or one versus, uh, you know, one versus three or whatever in, in, in most of the time in the conference finals. Yeah. I do think it's worth noting, though, that this year everyone was saying it was going to be more wide open. I mean, we had been so used to, honestly, for the last decade, we were so used to the, the Nuggets are locked, to, or the Warriors are locked to go to the finals every year. And the Heat, and then before that, the Heat were locked to go to the finals every year. It was just a matter of who they were going to play. And, and coming into this year, we just we really didn't know who the teams were going to be. It, it's playing out like that. Yeah, even I mean, I think everyone thought it would be LA versus LA in the in the West Finals. But yeah, that was probably the one thing people thought was a lock yeah. this year. And it seemed that way. Like it did. 40s. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but things changed pretty fast. And yeah, yeah. Like I mean. Again, you can't count out the Nuggets. They're playing really well, and I'm not going to count. It's like the Heat. Like I stopped doubting the Heat a few weeks ago, uh, but but man, 
you think about a possible Heat Lakers finals? Honestly, I feel like people are not talking enough about it. The fact that we are potentially seven games away from LeBron playing the Heat in the finals. And not only, and not only LeBron versus the, like Pat Riley against his yeah. you know, team that he, you know, Showtime Lakers when he was the head coach there and became kind of Pat Riley when he was there. You know, that's where he, he got his name off, you know, and became an iconic coach. Yeah. Um, and then the Dion Wade, like having facing Dion <laughs> Waiters in the finals. And yeah, I mean, there's just, wow, that would be a, uh, that would be quite the series, and it would be a shame that we're not there. You know, it's, it, yeah. that would, I think I think all NBA like reporters, at least the ones on the bubble, and even the ones in the bubble, people are going to be upset that finally there's a Miami LA Finals and there's no travel involved. Oh like they're God. not playing games in the two <laughs> best cities, probably in the NBA, and it's going to be played in a bubble. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah, again, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but a Heat Lakers, it would be like the ultimate defiant. It would be the defining battle between is you know was LeBron responsible for those championships or, or is Heat culture really uh, what what made it happen? Yeah, I could already hear. I could already see the stories now. The Stephen, yeah, be- the Stephen A. segment on first take. For sure, for sure. No, but yeah, I think you're right. We can't get too far ahead. This is going to be a hard-fought series, but um, we could be, next week, we could be discussing possibly a potential Lakers Heat finals, which would be crazy. All right, uh, anything we didn't get to that you want to hit on before we wrap up from game one or looking ahead to game two? I think we've pretty much covered everything. I mean, I I know you credited Spo earlier in the episode, but he has done just... yeah. He's always been a good coach, but what he's done with this team and just the, the combination of his elite coaching with just so many smart, unselfish players in the roster. Like, this this team is high IQ, and you can just see it. Like yeah. The passing, both. like, everyone on this team, and it was a huge problem, obviously, with certain guys last year. Um, the Pat, we, I, I mean, I think we've talked about this. Last year, some of the moments when we were like, this team is, like, kind of interesting was, like, when they would play Bam at center and have – go around at the point, and, like, they had five good passers on the court. Um, and it was just a lot of drive and kick and drive and kick and drive and kick. And it's, you know, just throwing Jimmy into that mix. Um, and, you know, Iguodala into that mix has elevated it to another degree that I think, like, I wonder if they saw the same things last year where they were like, we've got something here. With, with Bam as a passer, you can get five good passers on the court. Um and if that's kind of what they sold out for this year. Yeah, and the shooting, too. I mean, I think yeah. they obviously wanted to add shooting. Um, you get Duncan Robinson, who, better than anybody, thought. Um, and Tyler Hero, they, they obviously went for shooting in the draft um, and a playmaker. Yeah, I think they obviously had a clear vision of, you know, they have Jimmy, they have Bam. Um, two, you know, they're not, they're not known for their shooting, but they're two very good offensive players, and you surround them with shooting, and... I mean, this is the result. It's just, it's a, it's a really good combination, a good, really good roster construction. It seems like all the pieces pretty much fit, even the ones not playing. Like they fit. If someone gets down, like there's a, there's a, there's a role for them. Um, it's yeah, it just makes a lot of sense. Everybody, this whole roster. All right, uh, let's wrap things up there. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. He's got all your coverage day to day of this uh, really fun heat run. Certainly the most fun stretch. I've had of covering sports since I got down here to Miami. 
But you're also covering the Marlins' playoff run, too. Yeah, the Marlins are in a playoff run. So, like, I, I think I've just been saying it every week. Just follow Miami. Go to the Miami Herald uh, website. We've got basically every team in town is playing right now. Um, we've got five podcasts now. The Greg Cody Show on Mondays. We have our Fish Bites Marlins podcast on Tuesdays. Dolphins in depth Wednesdays. Heat check every Thursday. And our Miami Hurricanes podcast, Eye on the U, every Friday looking ahead to the Saturday games. So, um, yeah, just, just go to the Miami Herald. Subscribe to Herald Sports. We've got it all covered for you right now. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Um, yeah, I think that about covers it. Got anything else? Any last words? I think we cover it all. Yeah. All right, thanks as always for listening, guys, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.